Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us this morning. Um, it's just a, a privilege to be able to stand with you guys as opposed to being up on stage for once. It's a little weird to get used to that um, and not just be in that music mindset and just be able to stand and worship. So thank you for worshiping with me this morning. Um, I do want to welcome you to Noip's Week. If you don't know what that is, it's National Obligatory Youth Pastor Preaching Sunday. And I think the more that I say it, the more it'll catch on. So I'm going to say Happy Noip's Week, and you guys say Happy Noip's Week to you. So Happy Noip's Week. I can't believe you guys did that. You have no shame. <laughs> so um, now that we got that out of the way, um, I am just going to give a quick recap of where we've been for this Advent season. So we've been parked in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 specifically. Um, so on the 15th, we talked about uh, fear not. Um, Eric Smith preached on the fact that we have nothing to fear and the fact that we have the gospel on our side. We have Jesus coming to earth as a child to show us what that power looks like. And we have nothing to fear uh, because of that. And then we went on to talk about good news on our Christmas Sunday and Christmas Eve. Um, we talked about great joy and how we can pursue that in all circumstances, kind of dovetailing with what we've been talking about in Philippians as well. So today we're going to be talking about to all people. So that part of um, verse 10 that says that the gospel is to all people or for all people. So let's go ahead and start in Luke chapter 2. We're going to go back to verse 8 and go all the way through 14 just to start us off. So starting at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So, we're going to have three points that we're going to focus on this morning. The first one is that this announcement from the angels was legit. So, um, you don't know this, biblical angels are terrifying. Uh, we like to think of angels as these cute little babies flying around with wings, right? Um, not so much in the Bible. Um, Isaiah tries to describe them with six wings, two of them covering their eyes, two of them covering their feet, and two they fly. Um, others have tried to explain the heavenly bodies in their primitive um, ways of describing things, and it doesn't quite pale, or it does pale in comparison. Um, so the, what we're going to be looking at this morning is in verse 9, it says the glory, the Lord's glory shone around them. So that we can kind of get a little bit more of a solid foundation on. So glory is the physical manifestation of the greatness of God. And we see that again in earlier in the Old Testament in Exodus 34. So if you want to turn there with me, it'll also be on, this, on the screen. But this is talking about when Moses spent time in God's presence, his, God's glory radiated from Moses. So let's go ahead and read there, starting in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone because... 
he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Now, this is the same Moses that they were traveling with, right? He's been their leader. They know who he is, but they were terrified of him because of that glory that was on his face. So, but Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the people of Israel that what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to go speak with God again. So they knew Moses, right? They've been spending time with him. But because he had been intermittently spending time in the presence of the Almighty God, they were terrified of him. Just because of the glory that shone on his face from spending a limited amount of time in the presence of God. So you can imagine then with these shepherds, who, if you can imagine, are more like, you know, boonies that have never seen something interesting in their life. And then all of a sudden, these angels come down. They'd be terrified, right? And it says so. It says they're terrified. And on top of that, hosts of angels are even more staggering. Hosts suggest a massive, uniform military gathering. And I don't know how many of you have seen the new Rise of Skywalker movie, but this isn't a spoiler because it was in the trailer. So I put this up here just to give you a sense of, this is like the host of the angels, right? There's just thousands upon thousands of them coming in as a cavalry. This huge show of military force. And support of this message that God is bringing to who? The shepherds. Why would God bring it to the shepherds? Of all the people in the world that he could have shown this message to, that would have been more reputable, say, the wise men, the the three kings. They didn't come until later when, when Jesus was out of the manger, out of that scenario. The first people to go tell people about this message was the shepherds. But God uses the weak to lead the strong, right? So the shepherds didn't stay there either. They immediately went to the manger, and then they told everyone they could. So let's go back to Luke 2, verse 15 through 20. So when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. That's how they would relay messages to make sure that they were accurate. Is they would, it's almost like a mantra. So they would say these things so they got the message right. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it had been told to them. So they didn't just keep it for themselves, right? They didn't say, oh, that was neat. I just saw these angels and the, the host of heavenly angels and then just move on with their life. No, they, they went to see what they had been told about, and then they didn't stop there either. They went and told everybody about it because this message is for all people. 
So that statement alone from this angel was brand new information to this culture. They had been seeing this Messiah as a Jew that would come to save the Jews. The king of the Jews. It's not just for the Jews. Salvation is not just for the Jews. Paul tries explaining this to the Jews in Romans. He says, even us whom he has called, not for the Jews only, but also to the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who is not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And then again, in the book of Hebrews, if you want to just skim through that, it's got plenty of mind-blowing examples on how it connects the dots and proves that Jesus made salvation for everyone. He was the perfect, spotless lamb. Even putting him in a manger was a sign of that because they would put the spotless lamb for a sacrifice in a manger, a feeding trough, to keep them safe. So this message was for everyone. And there's plenty of scripture and prophecy to back that up. So it's not just for people who deserve it. It's for everybody. So who is there in your life who does not deserve to hear the good news? Or you think they're a lost cause? Maybe you have an abusive family member. Maybe you have people in your community that you don't see eye to eye with. You don't agree with their decisions. Maybe there's people who you know for a fact would not listen if you tried to share Jesus with them. They would just shut you out. Or maybe you feel like you're the lost cause. Like you've done too much and God's atonement isn't for you. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. None of us deserve what Jesus did for us. Not one of us. He came to give hope to everyone. And you are not excluded from that, no matter how much you've done. No matter who you've abandoned, no matter what permanent damage you've caused to those that you love, or what you failed to accomplish now or 20 years ago. We just sang about it, right? There's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. No amount of effort on your part can ever give you right relationship with God. It can't not give you eternal life. Only what Jesus did on the cross can do that. Him coming to earth as a spotless lamb, as a child, and dying on the cross and raising from the dead. That's the only thing that gives you living hope. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to bless all people just as Jesus did. So that's our third point today is that we are called to bless all people. So if you're one of my youth students in the room, you're going to know where this is going. So bless in all caps means this acronym that we've adopted as a, as a ministry. It's an intentional form of, of evangelism that's more relational. Um, and it starts with the B is begin with prayer. And then you listen to people, listen to what God is doing in their heart. Eat with them. That doesn't necessarily mean you sit down and eat with them. It could mean spending quality time with them, doing something that is valuable to them. Serving them. Jesus 
was an excellent example of serving people. He went and made lame people walk. He made blind people see. He cleared the skin of lepers. He did everything in his power, which was limitless, (laughs) to bless people that he came into contact with him. And he calls us to do the same. And then share Jesus with them. Now, this isn't a perfect, like, straight down the list, and then you get to share Jesus with them. It can be flexible. But unless you have built a relationship with somebody, they're not going to want to listen to what you have to share with them. Right? So, before Jesus ascends to heaven, in Acts 1, he says, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's who we're supposed to take this message to. We're called to make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28 and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations, right? Well, how do we do that? If we don't, if we don't have personal contact with these people that are across the globe, how, do we, how can we possibly bless them with this? You begin with prayer. Because God works outside of scientific understanding. And nothing moves faster than the speed of prayer. We can clock the speed of sound. We can clock the speed of light. But when you pray for somebody, God works outside of time to intervene in their hearts and in their minds. Kate and I have a friend that is a missionary in a small African country called Togo. Um, And she is working her tail off for the gospel over there. And we get a, a newsletter from her um, so that we can be praying for her. And that's, that's part of how we connect with a, a more global mission. Our church has plenty of opportunities as well. Uh, Matt even um, mentioned a uh, 60-day challenge that I hadn't heard of before from Operation World, which is a book actually that I, I took in my Global Perspectives class that focuses on unreached people groups. So the 60-day challenge will give you one unreached people group per day, and then you just pray for one people group per day for 60 days. I feel like that's a pretty great way to get yourself in the mindset of just a global mindset. And you can also pray for our missionaries that we support through here at the church. If you go into the foyer, we have cards for the missionaries that we support. Just grab one, slap it on your fridge, and start praying for them this year. You can also look for missions opportunities through Stonebridge in 2020. We're working through some of those, so keep your eyes and ears open for those. But I can already hear you, some of you checking out and be like, well, global stuff, I'm, I'm not, I've got kids, I can't go on missions trips, blah, blah, blah. We're called to be on mission where you are, though, right? And some of the global things, yeah, you can, you can probably only pray for them. You, do, you can't really listen to them in person, you can't eat with them, serve them, Right? But you can do that here, here in Boone, with your, with your family, with your coworkers. You can be on mission right where you are. Do the rest of the acronym. Jesus was relational. He met people where they were at. And only then were people able to hear what he had to say. They saw that he cared for them. And that's what people will see in us as well. We don't have this glory cloud <laughs> following us around. At least most of us, I don't. So we do have relational 
evangelism, though. We can pour into the lives of people so that when we do share Jesus with them, they actually believe us because we care for them. We've built a friendship, an, an actual solid friendship. It's not a sales pitch. It's this idea of spending time and doing life with people. That's what Jesus did. That's what he calls us to do. So I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. So how many of you have played Call of Duty? I hadn't played it in the longest time, probably since it was on like, I don't know, Wii or something, like the original Wii, not even like Wii U. So I got into mobile because a lot of the guys here at Forge were playing it and I kind of got hooked on it. Level 41, if you care. Um, but so I spent a lot of time on this and devoted a lot of, you know, probably way too many hours uh, <laughs> playing this game. But it started showing up in my dreams. <laughs> um, so it kind of shows how much time I spent doing that. Um, so I had this very vivid dream, and I don't always write down my dreams, but I do when I'm going to use it for a sermon illustration. So we had this tight-knit squad, and it was me and Max Johnson and Max Costner and Doug and Braxton, and the five of us were just killing it. We had a KD ratio that had like zero on the other side for everybody. We were just mowing them down, and it was done. So I had to like write it down, right? So in the midst of this, my toddlers pop their head up on the side of my bed <laughs> and wake me up at, now I know, 2.45. I thought it was the morning, so I went and made coffee and did my morning routine. And Kate told me, it's 2.45. Go back to bed. <laughs> so I, I couldn't go back to bed, and it got my wheels turning. And I was talking to God about it, and like he, he kind of challenged me and said, you know, when is the last time that you have woken up having a vivid dream about sharing Jesus with somebody. So, dreams aren't a perfect science, and there's different theories on why we dream what we dream and what, what influences that. So I have a, a quick video here to just explain some of the scientific community on that. So I'll, I'll ask that again then. So when is the last having a vivid dream of sharing Jesus with somebody or being being on mission with Jesus. Are you living a life on mission? Are you pursuing the people around you like Jesus pursued people while he was here on earth? New Year's is coming around, um, and so it's, it's easy to make these resolutions that we fail at, right? I'm going to quit pop. Oh, well, I had one can of pop, so I guess I'm done. Um, so it's, it's easy to make these resolutions that we fail at. So I tried to make one that is a little harder to fail. So it's, it's a two-step. Here's your New Year's resolution for the year. Have a vivid dream about sharing Jesus with somebody or being missional with Jesus. And then once that happens, structure your life in a way that makes that happen more often. Again, not a perfect science. You may never get that dream, right? But if you're living a life that is structured in a way that makes that happen more often, you can't go wrong with that, right? You can't go wrong living missionally. So it's just a goal that you can, that you can strive for, and you may never reach it, but that's okay because you'll be living missionally, right? I was writing this down as the challenge for you guys, and I'm, it was kind of discouraged. I'm like, I don't even know if anybody's going to get this dream, you know? And God was, he showed me, that it is an attainable dream because 
after spending time in Scripture in, in Luke 2 and in other places just talking to God about being missional and writing this stuff down, I did end up having a dream about this. It was We had a career fair at a high school, probably here in Boone, and it was me, Matt, and Joey, and we were representing pastoral ministry as a career path and just talking about what that looks like and maybe even mentioning the salt school theology and things like that. And I don't know if I would ever follow through with going forward with that, but it was just, it was cool that God put that on my heart. And it's like, okay, this is, this is something worth striving for, to live missionally and have this be the thing that takes up most of your headspace, most of your devotion, and seeing what God is doing in the hearts of people around you. That's worth striving for. So that's your challenge for this, for this new year. Seek to have a vivid dream about Jesus, sharing Jesus with somebody. And then once that happens, structure your life in a way that makes that happen more often. I'm going to go ahead and pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to teach your word this morning. I pray that we would join you, be alongside you in being relational with people, pouring into people showing them who you are by example, that we love them, we are praying for them, we are listening to them, which is rare in our culture. We're eating with them. We're serving these people. And we're sharing you with them, which is the best thing that we can possibly do. Help us all to do that this year as we pursue you. pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song, so if you guys want to stand with us. Um.